Well, I'm delighted to welcome Lord Vernon Coker live from the House of Lords in Westminster. Welcome, Lord Vernon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good to see you. And I'm delighted to have him on here as our guest on the Scotland Against Modern Slavery podcast, a man with a very distinguished political career, um, you know, coming from very humble backgrounds, a background in teaching, uh, Lord Coker, if I understand rightly. Yes. Uh, Okay, I, I, will, I, I can see that in your demeanour. I'm not going to cross any... any no, no. <laughs> but, uh, my I, father was a police officer as well, Sean, so the oh, short really? hair comes with both teaching and uh, my father being a police officer, so... There you go. Well, you learn something new every day. Uh, uh, Lord Merlin Coker, you were an MP for a number of years. You know, you came in in this sweep that changed the nation back in 97 when Tony Blair's government came into power. And... And you stayed there for a long, long time. Uh, a ministerial, couple of ministerial positions as well, isn't that right? Exactly, yeah. So I was first elected in 1997, as you say, under the Blair landslide of, the, of those years. Um, and then um, left Parliament in 2019 when uh, the result for the Labour Party was uh, a little bit different to, to 1997. But as you say, managed to hold it, uh, had the privilege of holding some ministerial offices in particular with respect to Scotland Against Modern Slavery in the Home Office back in 2006 until 2009, much of when the initial work started uh, on some of the, the work around modern slavery, which um, seems an awful long time ago now. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, that was... Uh, well, that's going to start off where I want to go with this conversation because um, and take away any... Um, party affiliations you're seen across the four nations as a leading light in the, in the movement against anti-human trafficking you've been very outspoken in parliament you know you have a it seems to be a real personal drive in yourself that's pushing this in the agenda you're also uh, an honorary professor is that right at the uh, university of nottingham university of nottingham yeah in the in the rights lab there in the uh, which is a, a research um, body within the University of Nottingham, which is dedicated to uh, research into modern slavery, into trafficking, looking at, uh, at, at what's going on, uh, the new ways in which it uh, manifests itself. And, uh, uh, and and the university in Nottingham works with colleagues across the whole of the UK, but uh, uh, obviously um, has many partners abroad as well. So it's, it's very interesting to do that work there and that research there. And I think I mean, you'll know again from the work that you do in Scotland that uh, with the universities there, but also the businesses and voluntary organisations, uh, local authorities and indeed the Scottish government, that, that the evidence and research is crucial. Um, we all want to do something about it and how we do that, what the public policy response should be, uh, I think is something that uh, has certainly always, um, you know, been at the forefront of what I'm about. And, in particular, looking at it always from a victim's perspective uh, and understanding that uh, how difficult it is for them. And um, we'll no doubt talk about this, Jean, but the, the, the difficulty of, of prosecutions and convictions when it's the victims you're trying to, you have to get the evidence from in many respects. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And do you know what? I don't think there's a, a more opportune time to talk about that than let's just, it's, it's, you know, give, given your, your, your ministerial background and your, and your understanding of all of this. You know, any victims that we've dealt with up here in Scotland that 
Um, they are, they're key to the investigation. They're a witness in this, but they're not necessarily always treated like that. In many cases, I've found that they've been charged initially with some form of crime. And so, you know, what's, what's, your, what's your thoughts on all of this then? Well, I, well, I, th I think that's a very real problem. I mean, initially, I, I mentioned just now that, that I started uh, from a ministerial point of view uh, when uh, under Tony Blair and then Gordon Brown, that um, initially the whole focus was on criminal investigation. It was about a police response and about uh, a, a legal response and how we prosecute the, the perpetrators. Uh, but increasingly, uh, people have understood uh, or seem to understand the importance of victims. Um, and that if you are going to prosecute uh, and bring the traffickers, which is what we all want to justice, then the victims are key. But sometimes we say that and the research demonstrates that and the evidence demonstrates that. And the frustration appears sometimes is that, uh, that, that when the victims do come forward, exactly as you say, they may actually, as a force been forced into some sort of criminality and we're not talking about you know very serious crime but yeah. certainly sometimes some um, uh, minor uh, offense whether it be an immigration offense or whether it be something like that and they're, they're, they're in that and they're, they're, they themselves are then treated as the criminal um i'll come on to county lines which is yeah, you know yeah. uh, even more difficult and and i you know at the end of the day if we want these people to come forward they have to be confident that they're going to be treated in a way which understands the circumstances in which they've been trafficked or enslaved. But they're often in a, a situation where they don't have free will. They don't have the choice in which you and I would understand it. And the evidence that they give is, 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 is really the only way in which often you're going to be able to bring the traffickers to justice. And yet if those victims feel that they're going to be uh, treated as criminals themselves, why are they going to come forward and be a witness? Why are they going to come forward and help the, the, the authorities? And the answer is they won't. And uh, again, we may come onto the latest bill in front of Parliament, the Nationality yeah. and Borders Bill. That makes it even worse because they're going to be penalised under these new trafficking information notices or uh, immigration notices. They're going to be penalised for late compliance. It's not the real world. Uh, it's not uh, where, where people are at. And the late compliance, assuming, therefore, if people uh, come forward to the authorities, in a way which, uh, beyond a certain timescale, is ridiculous and not the real world. So then, let's, you know, a couple of points you've raised there. And the, the first point, as you, you touched on there, talking about the victims, um, is that, you know, experience would suggest that a victim of trafficking or more, like, they don't realise that they're a victim. They don't know they're a victim. It's like, um, my understanding is that, or, you know, having met many of them, is that at the time of... Um, their exploitation, for example, they don't know. They don't. They can't put their hand up and say, "This is happening to me," because they don't know. Um, so, as you've just mentioned there, if they don't know, you know, how do they actually, you know, how do they actually put their hand up and become a victim? And if they're going to be treated as a criminal initially, the fear of actually, if they probably do realise something's wrong, the fear of actually being caught and um, punished for it outweighs the, the, the positivity of actually raising their hand and saying, help me, please. Would that, would that ring a bit right in how you feel about it? No, no that's absolutely right. And I mean, it's both, both of those circumstances are true. Uh, the, the, there are circumstances in which people are, are, are tricked, are duped, are uh, put into slavery in a way or, or, or trafficked in a way which uh, they're uh, unaware of, uh, or taken a, a advantage of, or 
you know, it's implied the prospect of a better life is held up in front of them, all of those sorts of things. And then before they know where they've arrived, they're, they're, uh, they may even, in some circumstances, have arrived legally, and then yeah. their, their passport's taken from them, et cetera, et cetera. So it's all of those circumstances. But the fundamental point that has to be understood is that these uh, people, whether in whatever circumstances, whether labor exploitation, whether sexual exploitation, they're forced into that situation, whether it's duped or into it or whether forced into it, but they are the victims and the law has to treat them as such, both as deserving individuals of the support of the state in its broadest sense of the word, but also if they are going to work with um, the authorities as we would want them to do, they have to be sure of their, their rights to stay, their immigrant, their status, uh, uh, the fact that they're not going to be treated as criminals, and then they'll work with the authorities uh, in order to bring people to justice. But I, I, I find it frustrating sometimes because on an, on, if you talk to police generally or talk to the National Crime Agency or others, of course they'll say this is what we do. But the reality for many victims is that that isn't what happens and they find themselves in a situation where, uh, you know, where they aren't treated as victims, they're treated as criminals. And of course that, they only have to be concerned about that happening for them not to come forward anyway. Not to report it again, which is where, as a, I suppose as a citizen, you know, my journey and all of this, initially seeing some of the numbers of, um, you know, and, and they can vary, you know, up to 30,000 in the UK. But, you know, if there's those type, that, that type of figure is really out there. There's people in these circumstances right now, very close to where we all are. You know, it doesn't, you might be in London just now, it might be in Glasgow, but it's happening right across the UK. And um, they're in those circumstances. There's a fear of actually coming forward because they're going to get punished. And that's, a, 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 I suppose, a policing stance or a UK legislation stance, or we'll probably move on to them because, you know, Vernon, I'll probably think about this in my head and I find it quite hard to, to, to digest is that, you know, in the past I've met some of the victims who have, um, who are going through or come through the asylum process and, um, by the nature of um, our society now, let's let's yeah. just cut to the chase. We're in you know post Brexit, so if you're a non UK citizen um, and you don't have eligibility to work in the UK and you're working, you're working here illegally, right? So um, if you've come here um, for, for whatever purposes and you end up in asylum process, the attraction to work when you're not allowed to work, you know, when you're only given that very small amount of money of 38, 39 pound a week to live off, the traction of the work's always going to be there. So when they're going through the asylum process, there's a risk there. And I see that as a big risk factor in the cross the UK. And Brexit's made that more apparent. It's made it a bigger problem in my view. But it probably leads me on to ask you, you know, you mentioned about the Nationality and Borders Bill, and this has been a, a very contentious piece of legislation that's passed through the UK Parliament. You know, ex-parliamentarian, somebody, somebody sitting in the House of Lords, just now when I mean ex-parliamentarian in the House of Commons yes. and now in the Lords. I mean, can you, can you, for the people that are listening or watching, could you give them a little bit of an overview of what this legislation is and what it means, please? Well, the Nationality and Borders Bill, quite rightly, uh, Sean, as you say, it's gone through the House of Commons. It's now in the House of Lords and we'll seek to 
uh, amend that and change that um, as it goes through. I mean, we uh, voted against, I mean, from without, you know, we voted against the bill at third reading, but anyway, it's, it's passed and it's in the, the House uh, of Lords, but it makes fundamental changes to, um, there's a whole part of the bill, which uh, for, for people watching this uh, podcast may be interested, is part five of the Nationality uh, and Borders Bill. Uh, but it makes fundamental changes. So if I just talk about um, to the asylum system, to refugee status, and, and the government are basically uh, gonna, gonna create categories of refugee. They're gonna talk about legal and illegal immigration and the whole immigration, asylum, refugee, people who are trafficked, all gets wrapped up in a, in, in a confused morass um, of rhetoric. But if you cut to the chase, just, just to give a couple of, of, um, uh, of, of, of points from it. I mean, if you enter illegally and the government are gonna talk about that in terms of the mode of entry. So if you come in illegally, other words, you know, obviously we've seen a lot with the boats. I mean, a lot of those people are automatically going to be assumed as people who should be returned rather than looking at um, them coming and look, uh, judging their uh, asylum uh, asylum claim. But also, for example, they're going to be required, if they say they've been the victims of trafficking, they're going to have to fill in these trafficking information notices. And those trafficking information notices, they don't do that within a certain period of time. They're going to be disqualified uh, from uh, being able to claim uh, that they're victims of, uh, 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 of human, uh, modern slavery and, and trafficking. I mean, that just doesn't, uh, it, it's just nonsensical when it comes to, um, uh, you know, the trauma uh, that victims will, uh, will have suffered. People are also going to be excluded. And the, uh, the independent commissioner herself raises, people are also going to be excluded um, from being regarded as the, uh, as, as victims uh, of, of trafficking, if they've any um, criminal record of any sort, any criminal, um, uh, you know, offence of any sort, and, and that is hugely drawn. So it's not for very serious crimes. It could be for, for trivial matters. And again, as we talked about earlier in this uh, podcast, the victims, many of them will have been in situations where they've been forced into minor illegality or uh, a, a, you know, a situation where there's been minor infringements of the law, they will automatically be uh, be e excluded. So the whole situation um, of the, the nationality and borders bill creates is is in reality the, the the awful term, the hostile environment. And for many of those uh, people, it, it's horrific. It is worth pointing out at this point as well, Sean, that, that if you take the national referral mechanism, obviously the mechanism to which victims are, uh, are referred. 47% of those were children um, uh, in, in the last year of the over 10 and I think over 10,300, 47% of those were children. The bill makes no distinction between adults and children, uh, which, uh, you know, beggars belief, uh, frankly. And the other point of those uh, over 10,300, 34% were British. Well, you know, it's not that, I mean, yeah. the, 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 the change in the way in which we need to view trafficking and modern slavery has to understand that particularly with um, the, the rise of so-called county lines um, type gang activity and the exploitation of young people, there, 
internal trafficking, internal modern slavery is an increasing problem in Scotland. It's an increasing problem in England, Wales, right across uh, the, the UK. So, I mean, uh, that's just a really good point you're talking about here, because this is children, this is county lines, you know, and I think many people listening and watching will have a, an understanding of county lines. But Vernon, you have a, an in-depth knowledge of this. You know, you've campaigned on this. Um, and it could just for the benefit of everybody listening, could you give a little bit of a description of this? Because it's UK-wide, isn't it? So, yeah. Essentially, it's where drug gangs use children uh, to take drugs into uh, to other areas, and they use them as, as as mules, essentially, to take yeah. them into, and they establish those lines. And the lines are often, you know, referred to as, uh, you know, mobile phone lines, and they phone in and the, the drug is taken out of them. Or in some places you find... Uh, cuckold in where sort of flats are taken over and, and used for the purposes of the distribution of drugs. But essentially, it's a line, it's a line, it's a supply line of drugs out of what you might call the areas where people have traditionally said drugs would be and to move them out. And young people have been used as the, uh, uh, as the way in which those drugs are transported, often into areas that in the past have not had them. And it's a way of doing that. And they use and exploit uh, children on the basis and the assumption that they'll be less likely to be stopped by the authorities if they if, if they do that. But there's increasing numbers of children doing that. Increasing numbers of children are enslaved in that uh, respect. And it's a shocking um, uh, uh, new development or relatively new development. And, and you know, just, just to clarify for me, Vernon, this is like in, in, in exploitation in any shape or form, there's a weakness that's being exploited, you know, the, the gang master, the criminality behind it. And when it comes to this type of situation within county lines, these gangs are looking for children that are, that are there's a vulnerability in them, you know, whatever it may be, their social, yeah. their social status, their family circumstances, um, how they're getting on in school, is, is that fair to say? No, that's the, as always, the vulnerable, the... Um, the disorganised is the polite term. That sort of, um, uh, um, you know, individual has little structures their lives. Uh, are, you know, are, are exploited. Not totally. There are, you know, examples of, of where that isn't the case. But often that is the case. And what's what? And despite and across the UK, the police are very well aware of it. The National Crime Agency. There's a lot of work being done by by everyone to do something about it. But it's, it's fair to say. It's an increasing phenomenon and an increasing phenomenon. And the number of children involved is, 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 is truly, uh, truly shocking. And uh, as I say, it, it's something that when we talk about, um, you know, trafficking, we have to understand that a lot of the victims now are young British people, which is the new, which is something that, you know, often thought of trafficking as people being brought in from abroad, from Vietnam or from yeah. Eastern Europe or, wherever brought in forced to, to work uh, you know on the fields or in cannabis farms or brought in for sexual exploitation and of course that's true but alongside that now we have the increasing phenomena of internal trafficking of British children within the UK. And I think you know that's uh, there's, there's some points there that you've made that uh, can ring through in many many people's heads but that's um, even prior to Brexit and, and um, yeah. We saw the increase in um, victims of human trafficking or victims of modern slavery. We saw a significant increase in UK nationals being used. Yeah. Um, and again, for the similar, like exactly what you just talked about with regards to the children in county lines, these were vulnerable adults that were being used. 
for the exploitation purpose of exploitation of labor. So you can't hide. From, you're absolutely right. Hiding from the fact by you know this perception in society that these victims are all non UK nationals. They don't speak English. You know they don't understand. Um, yes, that's a traditional vision, and that's not yeah. gone away. But you have people who speak our language. That's the simplest way to put it. Their first language is is is, is English, and uh, they're being increasingly exploited. Yeah, I think I think that's right. And I mean, you mentioned Brexit, and I mean, just another phenomenon. I mean, obviously, Scotland was very pro Remain and anti leaving uh, the EU. I was very pro uh, staying in the EU. As well, but yeah. it, it, it just leaving that to one side. What is really frustrating is that the government have not negotiated new international agreements to replace the international agreements that have been lost yeah. uh, because of uh, Brexit, and that does make it more difficult. I mean, you can't if you want to solve the the the, 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 the phenomena of boats coming across the English Channel, uh, you can't do that by shouting at the French. <laughs> it's just. It's, uh, that you have to work with 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 them, and uh, that's the reality of the of the situation. And uh, we we seem to think, oh, the wicked French. Whereas, you know, they have a problem across Europe. Indeed, across uh, globally, there are issues around migration, trafficking, and uh, the, the 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 boring fact is that these issues can be. Uh, dealt with as well as we can, but only by nations working together. And that's, you know, internally, but externally uh, as well. And whatever the rights and wrongs of Brexit, and I thought it was a bad thing to happen, there's, the fact is that there's no, as I say, international cooperation that, uh, uh, that has, has taken place. And the other thing that doesn't help with the whole debate is from the UK government's perspective, is this idea that it's only the UK that have this problem. It's only the UK that have to deal with trafficked individuals or asylum seekers or refugees, a whole lot conflated together. It's a very real problem across Europe and a very real problem indeed uh, across uh, the world. And it is something that we all need to respond to in a way which is consistent with the human rights uh, values that, that our nation has. And you know, there's a, you talk about that's, you know, I can disagree with anything that you've said there, uh, Merlin. It's uh, we're in a situation where the decision to leave the EU has been made. We're here. You know, I'm not going to you know uh, talk about the, the politics behind it all, but the frustrations that have come with that, and in the sectors that you know, when I put my business head on, that we see labour shortages across across the UK. I look, you know, more specifically at Scotland, and I see the. I see the, um, also see that there's, there seems to be a rise in criminality. And if I'm being really brutal, what we see on the ground, or our, our team does see on the ground, is that people are bringing workers to come and get registered and try and work at some of the businesses that we supply. But the red flags of somebody who's been exploited for the labor are all coming up and far more often than they would have done before. And that to me means that there's criminality behind. Um, there's criminality going, okay, there's a labour shortage, I can get you people. And it's the blind eye theory that, you know, what when a business actually goes, okay, I'm desperate, I'm just not going to look, you know, and I know yeah. that's going to happen. And I'm fairly certain it's already been happening through over the last 12 months or so. So we do see some of the after effects directly affecting 
the labor supply, as in the, neg the you know, the, the negative is that there's much, many less workers out there, but what we're seeing is that criminality behind it is actually, um, is taking advantage of it. And I can only see that getting worse, really, on yeah. from, from the front line here, which is quite... I mean, I, I, I mean look, the, the labor exploitation is a, is a very real uh, issue and um, Brexit has made some of the opportunity for that, um, has created a greater opportunity for, for that. But I know that you, uh, and Scotland against uh, slavery, the work that you've been doing, you've been working with businesses, and it's fair to say that the vast majority of businesses, the vast majority uh, of businessmen and women, uh, you know, will work uh, hard to, to tackle that. But of course, there is always that opportunity for, the, for those who would seek to exploit uh, others. And, and I think one of the opportunities and chances for us is, is in the national effort that's made. Um, and I know, again, that you work with businesses the national effort that's made involves businesses as well as involving voluntary organisations, government, local authorities. Businesses have a responsibility. And, I, and, and from my experience, it's not just big businesses, but many of the small businesses, certainly the farms, the rural communities, the businesses there, that um, working with them can actually be part uh, and is a major part of the solution uh, uh, as well. And um, I've seen that here, uh, working from London, and I know you in, in Glasgow and beyond. You'll have seen that uh, yeah. as well. I know you're you've got a business forum, I think, at which you work closely with businesses to to spread that message. And they have a responsibility as well. And I think the majority accept that to look out for uh, the signs of, uh, uh, of of that as well. Fantastic, Lord Vernon Coker. Uh, inspirational and insightful conversation you know, take away anything um, about uh, our um, UK government, the Scottish Parliament, devolved nations, you know, I think as, as we said right at the start, this is cross-party, this is, this is just about unity. I think there's some political issues that we've discussed, including the Nationalities and Borders Bill, which is, you know, a huge, huge topic, and it's very, very uh, warming to hear of the work that you're doing in the House of Lords with regards to this piece of legislation, which is... Um, um, which is very, very positive on, on something that's quite frightening that's, um, that, that, that we could see getting passed. But you've been a real insight and a real open book. And it's, uh, I must say, I've met many politicians now over the last few years, and uh, you're one that I'd love to keep in touch with, and I follow with great intent, and I'm sure many of the listeners and viewers will be the same. So, Lord Vernon Coker, thank you very much for taking part. Well, thank you very much, and good luck to the work uh, uh, that you do. Um, and particularly the work and the focus you have in Scotland, but across the UK and beyond, we'll all make our efforts to do what we can to support the victims and bring the traffickers to justice. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you very much.